In today's episode, Dave interviews actor Joe Bill. Joe's an improviser, a teacher, a director, and with Mark Sutton, the other half of the cast of Bass Prov. On location in Chicago, I'm Ian Foley, and this is ADD Comedy. There's about 25 of us, and our stories were so good that they would post them, and then trolls started attacking our story. And so then we would just do private stories, and we had five or six improvisers, erotica writers, mm -hmm. graphic novelists, right. sci-fi writers, and then there was a little group in South Africa that did top 100 lists. Mm -hmm. And so Jody was part of that group, mm -hmm. and her birthday's three days before mine. And I would say happy birthday, and she'd say thanks for like three years. And then right when they pulled it down, uh, I said happy birthday again. She goes, thanks, I hope you know I've always appreciated you saying happy birthday. And now I'm married. <laughs> <laughs> now, wait, she's here. Yeah, she's here. She's, she's from South Africa, and we're going through immigration, which is a blast. I bet it's really fun. It's super fun. Well, it's got to be super fun. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the fun part is coming, so... <clears throat> the so fun part is here. The fun part is here. Because there's a world of possibilities, right? Absolutely. And I, uh, I've written the checks. We've done the fingerprinting. The medicals will be later today. Right. And then we get to play the newlywed game for the immigration people. Right, to right. To prove that we're married. Right. And so we literally watch the newlywed game. And because they, they'll separate us, and then they'll ask us questions about the other. Right. And, um, and that's supposed to be the stressful time, but we've decided that that's going to be the most fun time. Right. You, re, you, re, you repackaged it. Yes. Reframed. You reframed it. <laughs> yes. It's so nice to reframe shit like that. Yeah, we have a choice. All the time. Yeah. And, and it... All the time. Especially what we do, where, where someone says, Oh my God, I couldn't do that. And I'm thinking... Yes, you can. Yeah. You just do that. Yeah. But if you want to tell yourself you can't, then that's fine. That is so awesome. I really... I mean, I love that so fucking much. Like, that, that, like when I... Like, my... Uh, uh, I think one of the catchphrases that I would have is, if you say so. Yes. Well, and, and that's the difference between like being an improv teacher in my 50s now than right. in my 30s, because I was mistaken thinking that I could fix everybody in my 30s right. and change their mind and really work at them to talk them through. But really, they're just making a choice, and I don't have time. No, I don't have time. I don't have time for a lot of things. I don't have time for your exposition. No. Uh, oh, my God. That's just so true on so many levels. <laughs> yeah. I don't have time for your exposition. No. <laughs> Shut up and do something. And, and when you travel, and you know what it's like, where there's there's a shorthand that, that we who travel uh, have, and it's it's just sit down and get to it Yeah. at a bar, for example. Yes. Okay, so I was at, I mentioned this earlier, I was at a, I was walking home, because I've been doing a lot of walking here in Chicago, uh -huh. and I walked from Belmont and Sheffield to my house here, mm -hmm. so that took me three That's hours. That's a hike. That's a really long walk. Yeah. I think it's like, I want to say it's eight miles. Mm -hmm. And then last night, I hiked from uh, Kevin Mullaney's house, where he interviewed me for a podcast on... Uh, Foster and Glenwood, Glenwood, something like that. Anyway, uh, in Andersonville, here, and I stopped by this little bar on Ravenswood, and uh, I met this woman there, and we immediately chatted. We it was like we, right go, we fucking launched right in. Yeah, I and that. I was in Vegas a couple of weeks. I was in Vegas a couple of weeks for Blondell's fiftieth, and there was a woman that I met at this bar, and uh, we jumped right into it right away. Yes, because I don't have time. No, and it's. It's very amazing, my wife being from South Africa, she's, one of the first things she observed about America was, you can sit down on a bus and hear, in five minutes, five different people's whole life stories. Right. 
all being spouted concurrently to someone or no one. Right. Because we're just, in America, we're just effusive and... I really, and, and, and there's some times where I think, where I'll walk away, because I don't, I don't engage in shame or regret. God, so it's so funny you say that. I will... Uh, I'll, I'll tell you why, go ahead. So I will walk away from a conversation saying, did I, did I just get too much information? Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> did, I think I just gave... Last night I was talking to, talking to somebody, a friend we were talking about earlier, and we were talking about this particular person... When she was younger, mm. she and a friend were playing doctor, mm-hmm. and we were careful about this. She and her, they were seven or eight, mm-hmm. and they were playing doctor, <laughs> but not like sexy doctor, but like, like we're going to, I need to look at your this. Yes. And then um, this person ran to her mother crying, saying I, she had a light bright stuck in her vagina. Oh, dear. So as doctors, they were saying, I think we need to probe here, and had a light bright stuck in her vagina, which I think is just such a funny thing that a child would have, because of course they're going to do that. Sure. And I told a story about a girlfriend that I had who had um, a cervical cap stuck up in there and mm-hmm. didn't know where it was, and we spent this first time we were made love with each other, mm-hmm. and how I had to, in a non-sexual way, get up in there yes. and pull it out. Yes. And so both those things that I just said yes. in the podcast right now, yes. I'm thinking, is that too much information? I, uh, and I could engage in regret or shame why? that I'm telling that. Again, why? But yeah. those, two, those two emotions mm-hmm. have nothing to do... Those two emotions is, is my perception of an external force being placed upon me and there is a right and there is a wrong yes. which is just such the way not to create anything you know well I mean, as improvisers if we're going to be truthful then we have to block everything like that's about that we have to block all the blockers that would block us from flow that's exactly right I, uh, kevin klein said on the evening at the actor studio one time uh leave your opinions your values your judgments your fears at the door and go in that class and be the pig you are absolutely 100%. and what i say is i'm not interested in your your i'm not interested in your personality and i'm not interested in interested in your politeness no because that has nothing to do with what i need for you to do right now exactly and and here's the interesting (laughs) thing about shame shame is a word they use in south africa that means 20 different things uh they go oh shame man right and so that can mean what a shame right they'd be oh shame what a cute kid right or oh shame he shouldn't have done that right and it's and it's and it's it just it's pervasive right and i immediately thought oh they're not done with apartheid yet Right. Right. Um, and then my wife and I had a conversation the other night about humiliation. It was, we were uh, indulging Survivor, and there was a, a girl that, uh, I don't care about the scenario, the, uh, the one girl was going to make the uh, older woman who screwed her over take her bottom teeth out. And uh, my wife said, but, uh, that's humiliating to her. I'm like, what's humiliating? What's, what's, what's humiliating? About that? Yeah, what's humiliation? Just in general. Yeah, in general. Uh Well, I I get, I get that, I get why someone would say that's humiliating, but then I just thought, well, what is humiliation? Is it, is it a heightened sense of humility? Or or is it, and I had this conversation, I just got back from Austin last night, I was in Uh Texas, and I had this conversation with a group of improvisers, and we arrived at humiliation is your expressed resistance to accepting what you can't at that moment accept. Right. Right? So so it's like, I'm so humiliated. I can't, uh, whatever happens to you, I can't accept it. And so oh, I cover my right. face in shame right. and humiliation. And, but what, what's the point? 
Right. So, so what you're saying is humiliation is something rocks the concept that you have of who you are. Yes. And at that moment, you are you are putting this external. You are putting the shame upon that, mm-hmm. and and feeling that, and that bring it literally brings you down. You are your your vision of who you are is now shattered. Yes, because it's probably from the basket of things that you choose to withhold from the general public. Clearly. Right. And because right. Right. Instead of looking at that and again thinking and again this comes up a lot is what other people think of me is none of my fucking business. So the idea of that happened. Yeah. Yes, of course. That happened. It's uh she said haven't you ever been humiliated and I I uh, my father coached me in Little League Baseball. I was horrible and a disappointment to him. And about the sixth or seventh game into the Little League game, I got a hit. Right. And I, I circled first base, and the ball was still going. And then I slid into second base, probably prematurely, but I hadn't gotten a hit to the season. And right. I slid into second base, and I immediately pissed myself. Uh-huh. And I... I was so freaked out, uh-huh. and I didn't know what was going on, but I was euphoric. Right. And I recognized before I stood up that I had pissed myself. Mm-hmm. And there was dust on other parts of my pants, but where the piss was, was mud. Right. And I stood up, and everybody, like Charlie Brown, laughed at me. Right. And I just started laughing because mm-hmm. I knew how I looked. Right. At that age, I, right. was, I was 11, maybe 10. Right. And I just started laughing because I thought... Uh, uh, and I remember people referring to, oh, that must have been embarrassing or whatever. And I thought it was great. Right, right. And so then I wonder, like, if I wasn't born with that coating on my DNA, like, I... I uh, the, uh, a Teflon coating on your DNA? Uh, or, or, like, I think it's, um, like, the, the, the capacity for embarrassment. Right. I think it's, um, and I'm also the oldest of five, so right. when people would beat me up or make fun of me or threaten to do that, a default I would go to when I was growing up was humor. Mm-hmm. Right, and, and if I could make better fun than me, and frankly more intelligent fun of me than they could, mm-hmm. then it would diffuse that. Right, I, I was, uh, you know, I got bullied once just because somebody physically came after me, and then uh, my buddy and I, uh, who lived next door, we teamed up, and we knew this older fucker couldn't beat up both of us. So uh, there's that. Right, but that was more self-preservation than right. embarrassment. Certainly, certainly. Uh, so, right, 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 <laughs> right. Yeah, it's an insurance policy. Yes. So. Uh, <laughs> No, but you, that, that, the idea, and here's, here's something, here's a question I have. When you tell that story and when people say to you, weren't you embarrassed, were you embarrassed or whatever, or humiliated or whatever, isn't there a moment, uh, for me, because I've got a bunch of stories that are like that, because yeah. that's a major part of who I am is, well, it's a, it's a part that I love about myself, yes. is like going, I've got, uh, what am I going to do about that? <laughs> yes, and, of course. Uh, uh, so, when someone says that to me, mm-hmm. when they say, weren't you humiliated or weren't you embarrassed by that, there's a moment that I take in that moment, and I, there's a moment that I take at that moment, and the moment is, that I take in that moment is to say, am I now embarrassed by it? Because I wasn't back then. Uh, and I go, no, I'm still not embarrassed by yeah. it. You know, to really, not to go, no, I'm not, but right. to say, no, no, you, I'm not. Yeah, to examine yourself, just to do the checklist. To do at that moment, to go, okay, great. Yeah. And I'm reading a book now, I've talked about this in a, one of the podcasts, but I'm reading a book called Search Inside Yourself, which is written by, it's a corny name, but it was written by the, a guy that teaches a mindful class at mm. Google. Mm-hmm. So he could call something Search Inside Yourself because he works at Google. Sure. 
Um, and he talks about this thing, and I'm sorry for people who are listening to this and heard this before, but I'm just so into it these days. The concept that he has is look at listening, and, and, and um, he's teaching people how to listen on a deeper level mm -hmm. so that you're more mindful and present to what it is that's happening in this moment. Yeah. So he is aware of we're feeling this, and it's what I teach, so he's aware of of we're feeling this particular emotion, we're engaged in this emotion, and then something will come up that will change that emotion. Mm -hmm. And to not jump into it, like at that moment you would normally get angry at something. Mm -hmm. And he's saying, stop and take what he calls a sacred pause. Uh -huh. And that sacred pause is, it's not just a pause, it's a pause that we're looking at on a very deep and profound level. Yes. And that pause is, that just happened to me. Witnessing. It's witnessing, yeah. but it's in the engage. Yes, it's not that. Yeah. It's witnessing <laughs> the engagement of the engagement of being in the moment. Yes. The engagement of engaging in being in that moment. Completely get it. I, I'm also we're we we seem to go through similar growth things, don't we? Yes, similar growth things you. very often simultaneously. Yeah, it's really, and I, you know, and isn't it? Isn't it strange how just like, you know, based on this whole thing about no shame, no humiliation, whatever, that, I mean, we, we largely know each other from the beginning of the annoyance. Right. And how uh, that, that whole thing, like everybody labeled From Metroform. From Metroform, yeah. Right. From before annoyance. Right. But with, you know, the body of work that, you know, we did when we were there and they continue to do now in this iteration, mm -hmm. uh, what people would label us, uh, you know, shocking or, uh, but there was never... An intent, I, I don't think, to be shocking. It was just like us being honest, and, and there was a collective of people from all different walks of life who had, uh, who were happy to just put their shit out there. Right. And the group mind was all about let's get everything out. Right. Right. And it, uh, it doesn't mean <laughs> that there weren't periods of destruction mutually or self destruction within that. Right. But uh, even that, you know, could be on display. Right. Above and beyond, sort of a, a secret theatery gossip thing that happens in theaters everywhere. Right. Everything is out. Right. Yeah. It's an interesting thing because also at that time, and I talked to, I had Howard Johnson sitting here, mm. who was on the first Chicago Herald team, and have Howard Johnson, uh, Barons of Arcudas, and have Howard Johnson sitting here. And at that time, and it's the same thing, everybody's going through their own time, but we were at this time where we, were, we can really codify that that was, a, that was a seminal time because there were yes. only two improv theaters, three improv theaters at the time, mm -hmm. and now there's a billion of them. Yep. So at that time, part of what we're talking about here is the excitement of letting, letting, letting our emotions out because something, something is fantastic. We're, giving, we're being given opportunities that we never thought we were being able to give. Yep. There are storefronts that, that they're looking in Chicago to rent out and they are willing to have us be in that space. Yes. And it's an easy thing to do. Yes. So if you want to publish your theater at a place that people want to view it, mm -hmm. you can do it. Mm -hmm. And the economics are there. Mm -hmm. So the moment you see the economics there, then people start saying, I think I want to do that. Yeah, you want to do that? You can do that. I think I feel, yeah, you want to do that? You want to do that? I have an idea. Okay, good. Mm -hmm. As opposed to the economics being stifling is too much money and how can I do that? Of you course. know, well, I really want to do that. That's going to cost a lot of money for me to do that. Yep. But we didn't have that at that time. No. And because we didn't have that at that time, and because we didn't have that at that time, that right now, the people that are engaged in what it is that we're doing 
as we know, because we are all these in service, are benefiting from that. Yeah. And they're benefiting from that for, for all of us saying, what is it that you want? Who is it that you are? What do you want to do? Do you want to do that? You do that. What's your voice? Do you want to, do you want me to know your voice? Of course you do. Sure. Then talk to me. Yeah. Be with me. But talk to me at a level that you got to know that the more you put a governor upon that speech, the less you're going to be able to bloom blossom. You're going to be a veal calf yeah. in, in, in that bin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Somebody the other day said, it's free-range veal. <laughs> told me that it's free range veal and I thought what really at a restaurant they were saying it's free range veal and I thought I don't I don't eat veal but if I did eat veal yeah. I would not eat that veal uh, yeah it's that, different than a free range chicken it is different because isn't and I could be wrong there's probably a big farm community in Nebraska uh, uh -huh. saying what you don't understand is you, mm -hmm. no but Free range veal. Yeah, I, yeah, I like that. I was uh, the image as you uh, were speaking. That was like the the, uh, the ripples in the water of the pebble, you know, uh -huh. that, that we tossed in. Yeah, and, and I think that even when Metroform got boarded up because our the the woman we were paying our uh, rent to, or we were subleasing. Did you say Metroform or uh, uh, Metroform over on Wilton? Yeah. So uh, you were still in town when we yes. showed up, and then all of our shit was on the sidewalk. Oh no, I wasn't there. Weren't you? No, I wasn't there. So. So uh, we had opened, we had done Splatter, we had done COVID prison slides, we had done Splatter too. We show up at the Metroform and all of our shit's on the sidewalk. And these, uh, part of our audience were these punk rocker kids with mohawks who had pet rats. Oh yeah, I remember. Yes, I remember. Yeah. Yes, I remember. And they would like, and, and, and people, you know, and then there's like, you know, fraternity people and business people and mm -hmm. artists and whatever, like to, to watch our shows. But we show up and all of our shit's on the sidewalk and these kids with the pet rats are guarding our shit, including the desk with the money box in it. And... The calls went out, and we all came, and we were all shocked, and we were all crying, and, and the, I, you know, Mick, I think, said, we need to find a storage space, and so we all just went and got a storage space. We need to meet back here. We all met back there. We all went to Ann Sather's and started drinking, you know, at, at midday, Bloody Marys and, and screwdrivers and, and any vodka drink you can think of, and we're weeping, and in the weeping, it was just like brain power going, what next, what next, what next? And by the end of that fucking meeting, it was like, we're going to find a space. We're going to uh, find out what it takes. Uh, and we're going to do it by this time. And boom, we exploded out. And then a couple of days later, within a week, it's like, we found a space. Uh, and now we need to raise $10,000 to put down on it. And we're going to do that by Friday. And then everybody's like asking their parents, whatever, boom. And all of a sudden... No one said no. Keep going. Nobody said no. And, and all of a sudden, it was like, uh, th there was never, there was, there was never a, an indulgence of we can't. Right. It was just like, boom. And then all of a sudden, Nick's like, holy shit, I can't believe this. And he like holds up a check that he had written for $10,000. And he had given to that landlord that uh, over on Broadway. Right. And it's like, oh my God, we got this. Uh, we, you know, we, we've got this space. It used to be a burlesque club. And right. uh, Simon used to live there. And there's a chateau on top of like all the right. shit. It's like, of right. course it did. Right. Of course right. it did. Well, how are we going to build this out? Uh, well, uh, I don't know how, but we're going to do it in a week. Great. Right. And then we're going to put COVID back out. Right. <laughs> right. And we just right. did. Right. Right, and it was, right. Yeah, and, and you know, the, uh, remember Tony Stavish? Yes, of course. Yeah, Tony Stavish, like, uh, I went in and I was like, I know, how do we build a theater? What's going on? And Tony right. Stavish just like walks in and grabs yeah. a hammer and just starts beating a wall. Right. And it wasn't, there wasn't a discussion, there was no blueprints or whatever, he just started right. beating a wall because this isn't going to be here. Right. He was an architect, right? Or he uh, is an architect, yeah, or something uh, like uh, that. A designer. A designer. Yeah. A designer. Yeah, interior designer. Something like that. Something. But, uh, uh, but he just started beating on a wall. Why? Because that's not our theater. Right. So that wall has to go. Right. And then whatever's not our theater, then that goes. And then whatever is our theater stays. Right. And then whatever we need to augment to... Uh, Accessorize. Yeah. Right. Then we do that. Right. And then, you know, and then all of a sudden, uh, you know, and then Martin DeMotson is like, yeah, don't put the stage in the center. Put it in the corner. Right. Why is that? Oh, because you want to be off balance. Of course you do. That sounds great. Right. I didn't know why. I just believe Marty DeMott. 
You know, why wouldn't I? And, and I mean, that we had this collective of people, and I've, I've listened to a number of the podcasts, and it, and it is amazing the people that we came up with. Right. The, the, the number of, the sheer number of the people. The people with whom we come up. Yes. Yes, I'm sorry. No, no, but because there's another thing. That, that's a different sentence, but I know yeah. you don't mean that. Right. Uh, no. Uh, the, people, the people with whom we, the people that with whom we came up. With, with whom we came up. Yeah. Uh, Side note, my father was a uh, Notre Dame football player and an English major. Mm -hmm. And growing up, if we would ever end a sentence with a preposition, we would get smacked in the head. Well, my issue isn't that you ended it with a preposition. I don't mind that because coming from Chicago, you always end sentences with prepositions. I think. Or prepositions with. Right. <laughs> yes. So you, 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 there's, a, there's a tendency to do that, right? Yes. My thought is it, it, what you said wasn't what you meant. That is because correct. Because for me, you're like the people that we came up with, it's like we came up with Bill, this guy who lived in the farm. I it's like, it. no. Oh, no, there's people with whom we came up. So those with are the people we that we all came up together. That is correct. I, that, that <laughs> sentence there, I'm so glad it was recorded yes. and noted that Dave Brzezowski yes. correct, went, like, owned a part of grammar in that way. Your, so anyway. Your grammar badge, by the way, just sparkled. I know. I didn't even know I had one. <laughs> we, we all have one. We do. Uh, so the people with whom we came up, yes, yes. It, it, is, it is shocking. It's shocking. The number. Do you know that uh, in Austin, I just, I just did a midnight show with Tom Booker and Mark Beltzman on Saturday night because Beltzman just happened to be there. Right. And, and I was working at the Hideout Theater. Right. And, uh, and I did Confidence Men, the Mammoth Show, and I did a, a two-person thing with um, Valerie Ward from Parallel, Parallelogramophonograph. Yeah. And the booker's like, hey, you want to do a show with me and Beltzman? Well, right. of course I do. Right. We got to check with the theater owner because Austin was in that space if it's cool if we do a show at the other theater. Right. And, and so Booker asked Kareem and Kareem's like, yeah, sure. Right. Oh, my God, Austin's arrived. Yeah, right. go do the Midnight that Show. That is it. Yes. This is what I was thinking about Austin the other day, the word Austin. Is it ever spelled A-W-E-S-T-I-N? Mm. Because it is one of those cities. And if it hasn't been spelled that way, why the fuck not? Because mm -hmm. it is an awesome city. It is. And Austin, Austin <laughs> should be spelled at least a little bit. Yeah, or on one t-shirt. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So, yes. It's a... Uh... I was I was uh, I saw another one that said uh, it was a graphic. Uh, have a Willie nice day, and it was a, a silhouette of Willie Nelson. Yeah, and that's I mean, there's a thousand of those different ideas in Austin. Yeah, and I love it. If Me it, too. If it wasn't for the heat, I would I would go there, because I tell my st myself the story that I don't do heat well, and I'm happy with that. You don't do heat well. No, I don't. you don't do heat well, no, and it's well. not your story. It's your, it's a fact. It is a fact. It's not a. It's not a story. My my performance in all areas is optimized in a colder environment. Right, right. So you're an Indiana person like Letterman, who loves a colder atmosphere. It's true. Yeah, yeah. The uh -huh. coldest theater and talk show land. Right, right. Mm -hmm. And to and 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 going back to that talk show, the coldest theater and talk show land. Just think about makes me think about um, uh, uh, who's taking over for Jimmy Fallon, Rainford, Seth Meyers. Oh, yeah. So Seth. A guy that that we all that I don't know how well you know Seth. I taught him. Right. I, I told him he was going to be famous because he was intelligent, he was good looking, and that I just I hoped that he would take what I had to give him at the annoyance and tend to his acting chops. I said, "You're not going to even need them, but I hope you will." <laughs> and I called it. And it's you know I would never. <laughs> I, uh, this is the first time I, 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 that I've, I've spoken to this in years. Uh huh. But it's um. And, and I've, uh, Seth has been in a fantasy football league with me, and, uh -huh. and uh, I, I went to SNL last season. He was, you know, very gracious and good uh -huh. to see you. And and it's, um, I mean, it's so nice. 
it's so nice. I, I love that I'm an improv teacher. Right. I love that Jason Sudeikis is like, oh, this is my improv teacher, Joe Bill. Great, this is great, Lee. great. And great. I love that. <laughs> I don't have to be anything but that because that's what I am. Well, right. And also that what, what I, and I, I've been thinking about this and I've been talking about it and I don't know where it came from, but it's the idea of, I know where it came from. It came from Search, search Inside Yourself. The, the, uh, the idea of... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Well, success or, uh, yes, we'll say success. Part of success is, like, there's there's rock star success, mm -hmm. which is burn, fleeting, bleeding, and there's another success where you make a lot of money doing what you want, mm -hmm. and, and that kind of tends to go away. And then there's the idea of, um, of being in service. And being in service is, for me, yeah. the most optimal because it, it revolves around Making a living, yes. doing what you want, mm -hmm. and doing and making a living, doing what you want, mm -hmm. and serving the universe. Yes, and it's 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 the it's my preferred way to look at self actualization, mm -hmm. and it, because self actualization has a con connotation of getting, mm -hmm. but being in service has the connotation of giving. Yes, and one of the greatest things I ever learned in a shrink's office was the idea that children concern themselves with what they can get, teenagers concern themselves with what they can prove, adults give themselves over to what they can give. You, well, certainly parents. Mm -hmm. But I, I'm not even chronologically. Because, I mean, there's people that are 70 years old that are still children. Got it. Got it, got it, got it. Ego, super ego, in a way. Yes. If you want to yeah, look at that. Yeah, in a way. Um, but, then, uh, but also look at the people in, in improvisation. Right. I mean, we can go anywhere. We, we travel the world. We right. improvise with people. Right. And if you, I, I always look through this lens. Who's here to get? Who's here to prove? Who's right. here to give? Yes. Yes. And, yes. And I know and this idea of uh, being in service to improvisation, I know how to give to each of those without right. judgment. Right. Um, I don't want to have a beer with one set of those people. Right. Or maybe two sets. Right. But I find myself where I find myself. Well, and, 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 where, and we have to accept the fact that that is where it is that we find ourselves. That's right. And the only source of suffering is non-acceptance. So the idea, That's right. but this is where I am. I don't want to be here. Mm -hmm. You don't have a choice. This is where yeah. you are. This is where I am. And I can finish this beer and graciously give love an exit or I, I could not finish the beer oh, yes right or i can say this is where i am isn't this fucked up yes i'm here <laughs> yes you know all those choices are there because those are the choices and whatever it is that we want to engage in yeah. those are the choices that we have yeah. and it and it has to do it certainly has to do with for me who is i talking i was talking to mick mm. um the idea of uh uh is your he doesn't feel that his maybe he does in a way i don't know that his life that his improvisation, the way that he looks at improvisation, uh, is, is a major foundation of his life. Right. I've heard him say at, on panels at improv festivals, improvisation is the least important thing you'll ever do in your life. Right. And, and whether that's a belief or whether that's a something mechanism. that he knows is going to hit. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. We call it a mechanism. That's right. more generous. Yeah. Um, it, 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 uh, he, he loves taking up the point of view that improvisation is... In so many words, irrelevant. Right, and it's and and it for me, it's everything. Right, for, for me, it's life. It's it's. I am an improviser. I am an improv teacher. Um, even when I do corporate training stuff, that's outside of the realm of improvisation. It's still improvisation. Right, and it's me with a cast that doesn't know that they're in an improv scene. Right, and um, it's and it's either narrative or short form because I have a structure that we have to play within. Mm -hmm. And then my job is to draw out the best in them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and but it's also the way that Mick chooses to look at things. I think.
Right. You know, Mick is uh, Mick's a genius because he's able to. Uh, you know, he has a capacity to fixate, and he doesn't go into something half-assed. I mean, he com he becomes consumed by things. When he was editing Fatty Drives the Bus, and you would you know he would lock himself in that fucking room in the annoyance on Clark, and you'd hear screaming and walls punching and and everything. Nobody could. He, he's inaccessible to anybody because he's in there doing this thing and going through literally manifesting verbally the angst it takes to learn something. The sounds of learning were just were just screams and, and, and totally from the mind of like, there is no, I can't do this. It's I'm going to do this. Um, and when he would step out then, indulging moments of... <sighs> right. Living in the... <sighs> of that moment. That's right. And it's, um, and it's amazing how there's always sort of an unspoken thing to like leave Mick alone, even if he was coming out to be in his <sighs> right of it. Because um, that's the greatest gift you can give. Which is what? Uh, just uh, uh, to leave him alone. Well, right. It's, uh, uh, that's, uh, that ties to my mother died a year and a half ago from cancer, uh, and I was, I was delayed in, in uh, LaGuardia. And I had, there was one day where she was breathing okay, and I was on a phone call, and it became apparent that this was going to be our last conversation. And I live in Chicago, my sister lives in Seattle, but then the three boys are in Indianapolis, and they, my mom was ready three years ago. Right. She was done. She, she was done. She was done. My God, this is the fourth time and, today I've had this conversation. Is it right? Literally. Oh, and it's, and my dad's a football coach, and then right. the other footballers are like, come on, mom, keep fighting, Gracie, keep fighting, just keep fighting. Right. And my mom and I have always had a bond. My mom was a frustrated actress. Her father would let her be an actress because all actresses are whores. Right. Because he came up in vaudeville. And my mom and I always had this unspoken thing. And at the end of our, right towards the end of our conversation, she goes, you know, Joe, you're, you're the only one in this family that knows a great way to say I love you, mom. It's just to leave me alone. And that was so beautiful and so painful and so euphoric mm -hmm. and so... Had such closure. Right. It what a was, gift she gave to you! Oh my God! And then, and then you have that gift, and it's sort of like having. Oh, this is such a bad example, but it's great. Somebody <laughs> gives you a, a physical gift, and you love it so much that you want to go. I have this great thing, and I want to give it to you. Mm -hmm. So your mother's gift of that honesty, that connection, that worth all. Like the, I'm talking about the pain that you got, the pain that was involved in that, the, yeah. the release that was involved in that, uh, the grief that was involved in that, yeah. the love that was involved in that, the sadness that was involved in that. And you were able to feel all of those things and to go, this is what I have to feel. Yes. and the not, get, not have to, sorry, this is what I get to feel. I get to feel. And the euphoria that I felt that we, I was in acknowledgement that this was it. Our, this was our conversation, and, and that I got to give to her closure, like she gave to me closure, and I was with her for you know till her final breath, right? In that way, in our agreement, in our love contract, right? You know, it was, and and it plays into everything that I always have to be mindful of in life, which are things like playing the pauses and silence is great and containment is just a fine choice. And right. The idea of trusting that moment is full of the moment and doesn't need for you to bring anything to it. And you were the one that told me that, that you were the one that best told me that you loved me by leaving me alone. Mm. And for you, the best way that you can tell me that you trust me on stage is just leave me alone. Yes. And, I, and because I know that you're leaving me alone isn't your abandoning me, mm -mm. it's your leaving me alone. Yes. And it's, it's so, that makes, that makes me flash back to the show that we did in Philly, mm -hmm. where, and it's, and it's right when you started, you know, expressing viewpoints to me and, and me realizing it's like, oh man, this is an Achilles heel because I'm not, uh, I'm not visually oriented, 
I encounter new information best by doing. Mm -hmm. I'm, uh, I'm visceral, I'm kinesthetic. Mm -hmm. And so, you, uh, and you were playing with this, and then I'm like, okay, I need to know, like, what are the headlines? And you had gone up to a pharmacy or something, and I stayed back. Mm -hmm. And part of me, you know, inside Joe was like, does David want me to come there? Right. And I chose, uh, I chose to be in this... I chose to stay behind you and let you do that thing. You chose to be in spatial relationship. You chose to be in duration of spatial relationship. Thank you. <laughs> Unwittingly. Right. But because that's what my gut felt. Your compulsion. Yes. My judgment, my, my ego, my fear was that given new information that you had just given me over right. drinks the night before. Right. Perhaps I should be compelled to do something that would be outside of what my sensibility or my intuition would tell me. Mm -hmm. I'm an intuitive improviser. I can see. I can see with my eyes closed. Mm -hmm. I can. I can hear with all of you're, me. You're in soft focus. Is yes, yes. That's it. That's a, that's a viewpoint. Yeah. Right. Is it soft focus is the major part? That's the underlying of it all. For you just to be not to be in a hard focus, but to let your peripheral vision. Vision being the largest word of vision, uh -huh. not being eye vision, but to know that you know everything. Yeah. You know where you are. And when you're in viewpoints, I am aware of your spatial relationship because I've defined something called spatial relationship. Mm. Other people call it, you're over there and I'm over here. Mm -hmm. And there's a duration that we have within that time. And the duration is, our scene is, is one, of the, one, of the, one of the pillars of our scene is, this is how far away we are from each other. Yes. And then... We might, uh, I would call that like our road trip, and then we would go to the rest drop of closer proximity, but then we would restore the back to the road trip. Which is to the called uh, repetition, which is, and, and our moving away. A physical pattern? Well, it's a, it's, a, it's a, yes, it's a, well, it's a pattern. Yeah. It's like, I've set it up so I move in, you move back, and then we've gone, okay, that was repetition. Mm -hmm. We now have that as part of our inventory. Right. And we have that part of our inventory, including you move that, you, you, move, you move toward me, I move back, on one line, one parallel line, mm -hmm. one line of scrimmage, mm -hmm. and that's called topography. Like, yeah. I move in that way. And oh, so yeah. that's another one of our piece of inventory is how we've moved. Yeah, and it's, for me, I'm so interested in learning the language and being able to speak and refer to viewpoints sort of objectively as a teacher, but as an improviser, I sense that I, I, I know it already intuitively. You do. And, and, it's, um, and it's, it's so interesting... I've been playing with Patty Styles, who's a I, I, I define you know Patty is to Keith Johnstone what messing is to Napier. Got it. <laughs> right, right, right. Oh, lovely. And so we we took on this proposition of you know can Adele and a Keith play together mm -hmm. and what would happen and we did a, we did a show together. Was there an article about this that somebody did you write? Did there's, write? Uh, there's a blog. Yeah, there's, there's but, something recently about that because I remember. Yeah. Okay, good. On my Tumblr, I have I have an essay about that, and she wrote about that. That I think that really okay. Yeah. Right, yeah. And so and so we performed together in Germany mm -hmm. and. We we had uh, we had a nice long slot, and we decided that we would each we would start our show by talking about Dell and Keith and trading stories for about ten minutes. Mm -hmm. And the Germans, you know, we're in this little Brauhaus theater, it seats two hundred, and there's like three hundred and fifty fucking people in there because they're really there. Literally, is a tension of oh my god, is this going to work? But right. German and contained, right? <laughs> right, and a stoic excitement. Yes, right, and our and we resisted. The entire lead up to this, we resisted talking about what the show was going to be. Mm -hmm. We would just tell stories of Keith and Dell, and we would tell stories about the road. Right. And we essentially were both tired of like me going to Johnstone uh, territory up to Canada and trying to have to retrofit and qualify and all that shit instead of just giving what I have to give. Uh -huh. 
And her feeling defensive when she comes to America to teach, and it's like, oh, who hates John Stone? Right. And as teachers, I think it's our responsibility to be able to objectively speak to all approaches as, right. as best we can, so that people can choose what works for them, right. and do what they what, do the type of improv they want to do. Right. Um, and so we ended up choosing to do uh, do a variation of a, a, a Kurt Brownler theme, which was the, the the soundtrack. So you know, you get somebody's iPod. Yes. Um, but rather than every scene, it's like, tell it, uh, pick a song that's something that's meaningful to you. Oh, yes. Here's the title of the song. Uh-huh. And now this song will be our lead-in to our play. Got it. And we do a show called Our Play. Uh-huh. And what we did, without saying that's what we're going to do, is a herald. Yes. We did a two-person herald. Uh-huh. And she looked at it as a narrative. Right. And I looked at it as a herald. <laughs> and you know what? It was fucking great. Right. And whatever the fuck you call it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't fucking matter. Because we made shit up. We were affected by each other. Right. We listened to each right. other. We knew who seen it was. Right. We knew all the shit that from each of our schools and we were present and we were affected and there was um she made me a prick and she played hard i mean she played like annoyance like right. hard like put me in the corner and i couldn't bullshit my way out of cheating husband i had right. to fucking play it right you, know? you surrender to I, that I right. Surrender to right. It. right and, and right we, and we did a scene where she's packing up and she got to play the flues here uh-huh. and we're doing a scene and she's packing up her bags and shit and i'm, and I'm begging her to stay and i don't want her to leave and i'm right. kneeling down and right. like i know i'm going to, to pro- proposal position behind right. her she's not saying a word right and as the scene unfolds, I know when I'm talking about circumstantial shit, she's putting stuff in suitcase. Right. When I'm talking about interpersonal shit, right. she stops right. and faces forward. Right. And it's like, and in her mind, uh, it was a whole other lesson. Right. But we knew exactly what that fucking moment was about. Right. We're both fucking crying. Right. You could have heard a pin drop in right. that fucking place. Right. And, right. The, and the whole and, and, the, right. and the scene blacks right. and people are like, <gasps> right, <gasps> right. Now, don't you want to do that? Yes. So, what does it take to do that? What does it take? The underlying thing that it takes to do that, because I think a lot of people go, oh, I couldn't do that. It's like, really? Yes. You know why you can't do that? Because you say you can't do that. Right. You know why you say you can't? You know why? Because it fits a mold of who it is that you say, because I'm not a very emotional person, or it fits a mold you want to say, whereas I haven't had any improv experience, or it fits a mold where you're a better actor, or other people can do that. And it's like, go fuck yourself. Yes. If you feel in that mode, moment, motivated to do whatever the fuck it is that you want to do, you go ahead and do it yes. in that moment. And if later on you want to have regret, then I'm going to go say, fuck you on your regret moment. Exactly. At that moment, if you want to feel shame about that, just know that something happened there mm-hmm. that was honest, that trumped your opinion that this doesn't belong in a comedy. And show. you didn't think that you could fucking do it, and you and now you get right. And you know what? You can't take back that. That's right. And the moment that you realize, oh my god, that happened, and I did that, you can't look at it and go, why did that happen, or how did that happen? The most important gift that you give yourself is that happened. That happened. Yes. And you, and 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 you will never. Be the same. And I'm not just talking about that improv scene that you did. Mm. I'm talking about I went up and I talked to her. Or I decided to buy the thing. Mm. Or I parked my car in that place. Or I had that meal. Or I ate what I wasn't supposed to eat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And anybody can take something away from that. If you want to take... It, it, all that it requires you to do is say, this, the story that I've been telling myself, and I've said this before, the yes. story that I've been telling myself is just that. It is a goddamn story. Yes, and it has nothing to do with right now. Right, and yeah. you want right? You want to change the story? You got an opportunity. You can do it now. Mm-hmm. Oh wait, wait! You didn't do it then. You can do it now. Wait, wait, wait! You can do it now. Right? Mm-hmm. Now's the time. For When's sure. the time? Now. Yes. And what's the only time? Now. Yes. It's now fifteen. It's now after now. Yes. It's a now quarter. It's a now to now. Yes. Right? Yes. 100%. And all those times. And I mentioned this the other day. There's a clock in the laundromat that I go to that has the numbers, but they're not. It's not like one going clockwise. One, two, three. It's 
backwards, the numbers are backwards because it's funny. Sure. It's not. Never. <laughs> Never ever have that ever been funny. Yeah. That's not funny to anybody. No. Why would you have that up there? It's fucking not funny. Because it was clever to the inventor. Right. And then someone said, you should sell that. And someone went, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to buy Susan that because she should have that. And they go, what am I going to do with this? They put up the laundromat. Why? So David can talk to Joe and Ian about it. And then other people are here. It's like, that'll never happen. It's like, be careful. Yeah. I'm going to make it happen. Yeah. How? I'm putting up the laundromat. <laughs> what has to happen in order for that to happen? David's marriage? Yes, it has to fail. Yes. Done. That's it. Because they're done. I'm going to throw it. some shit in there and see what happens. Yeah. Great, good. He's married? No, not yet. What has to happen? Yeah. Um, Alan Ron have to open up. Uh, Ron and Karen have to open up uh, with Julie the cafe Kofi. Mm-hmm. So then what has to happen? This woman named Ka- uh, Katie has to come in. A lot of shit has to go down. Yeah. A lot of shit has to go down. For sure, man. Yeah. And uh, yeah. And Lynn, po- and Lynn Pust, I had to meet, meet Mick in order for Kofi to open. It, well, there's so much going Who on knows? there. Who knows? There's so much going on there, and and so there's so much going on. There's so much not going on because people are going. I can't do that. Mm-hmm. And if you don't feel that you can do that, that's great. But the moment that you think that you can do that is the moment that you do that. And if you don't do it in that moment, give yourself a break, you'll do it later. And you know, this came up when I was teaching this weekend. It's, it's like, well, so what is it that you have that makes you prepare to do a show? And, I, and I, we, I landed on readiness. It's like, should I bring an emotion in? Should I have an idea? Should I have a thing? Like, it doesn't matter. Uh, it's, it's like, you know, do something now. But, but it's, it's like, okay, I was working the puzzle of what's the empirical word, and I just... I just landed on readiness because I think that's what I say. I'm ready. Mm-hmm. I'm ready. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I mean, you know, you, uh, you've done Bass Pro. Like, what, mm-hmm. how, how do we warm up? We just don't talk to each other. When right. you and I do a show, I've heard you talk about this. You like to gossip. Great. I'll gossip with you. Right. I don't right. like gossiping in life, but I like gossiping with you. Right. Um, right. Uh, I, I play with Jill Bernard. We each put our iPods in and we dance around and then we trade songs. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. And then we train them back. Uh, and we all talk about Jill. We just right. do our show. Right. Um, Jill but, Bernard. I got to put her on the list. Oh, she's so great. I love her. She is. The universe, everybody, the universe needs to know about Jill Bernard. For sure. She is complete sunshine. She is complete lack of judgment, and she owns everything that she is. Everybody should know about her. Everybody should know about her. And I don't say should very often. But I think. You played with her recently. No, not just recently. I played with her a number of years ago, but I'm doing the Twin Cities Improv Fest. Uh, at the end of June, yeah, and she and I are going to work together then. She's but she but but what she's one of those people that you go, oh right. I'm assuming that you know Jill Bernard because she's just a fucking great person. Yeah. Um, and, and the first time I saw her, I was like, who the fuck? What the fuck? What? Who? What what's happening here? What kind of crazy shit is this? Right. And then you go, oh, she's real. Yeah. She's not a put on. No. She just she can she can turn on her drum machine and just right. be joyful. Right. Right, and you look, and anybody that can watch that watches her work, and it sh- anybody that watches her work, you you've got to be fucking inspired by that. You have to, and and uh, and your inspiration is uh, once you release your judgment, because <clears throat> I uh, there's another improviser at I O. He's like, you know, uh, you know, I don't want to be a fucking Jill Bernard. I'm like, yeah, you know what? Uh, you'll be lucky if you are someday. Why would anybody say that? I'm like, I'm uh, because he was in judgment. Right. He was in judgment of the way that she played. Right. He was in judgment of she's short form and she's goofy and she's wacky right. and whatever. But you know what? Jill's fearless and she right. doesn't give a fuck. And no. you know what? She has an encyclopedic knowledge of history. Yeah. And when she talks to somebody mm. and, and gets their life story, and right. then, t- tell me a point in history and I'm going to do a one woman musical. Right. That's her show. 
That that's her. That's one of her shows. That's one of her shows. Like, like she will take. Say it again. Uh, a, a drum machine. Yes. Oh, oh right, right. So she she takes somebody's story. Right. Oh, you're a dentist. Right. And blah 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 blah. Right. Blah. Right. And, and it's, it's it's like a it's like a uh, like a like a dream interview. Right. Exactly. And she goes no like a, a a point in time. Right. A historical uh, hero. Right. Uh, 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 Peloponnesian Wars. Great. Right. Here we go. Right. And you know what she knows about Peloponnesian Wars. She knows everything. A craziness. Like, it's like, how do you know that? Because she said, I know I'm answering yeah. a question that was rhetorical. Sure. But she knows that because she decided that's interesting. That's right. And, and I feel like so much of what we do is like, well, you know what? I'm an actor, so I don't really need to know about prohibition. And you know what? You're wrong. We're, yeah. The Rise and Fall of Prohibition. Excellent book. Just want you to know that. Mm -hmm. Oh, Prince. Mm -hmm. um, but what are you reading? Del used to ask that all the time. Sure. There's a, I just started a book, uh, Ken Robinson, heard of him? Maybe. Uh, so he's, he's in the world of creativity, and I forgot what the first book was, but he's, he's um, this new one is like uh, uh, Out of Our Minds, I mm. think. And he's talking about how creativity, that creativity has changed, and, that, and what it even means to be creative right. uh, has changed. And he, so I'm, I'm through the first 50 pages of the book, and it's the most amazing set of context that I've ever freaking seen from, uh, so the proposition is you look at a clock and every minute is 50 years. Is it the backwards clock it's or the frontwards? It's not the backwards it? clock, okay, but good. it may be. Uh -huh. so, <laughs> so, so we're at zero hours. So right. every, every time you go back a minute, it's 50 years uh -huh. the, for the last 3,000 years. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. um, uh, so um, uh, our, our species, uh, uh, innovation, communication, recorded thought, Blah, 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 blah. Right. And he's talking about, like, innovation. Like, just, it was only, uh, uh, what was it, uh, uh, so 1400s, uh, eight minutes, eight minutes ago, and of the last 3,000-year clock that the printing press was invented. <laughs> and then only uh, less than a minute ago, Twitter. Less than a minute ago, Twitter was in, in 3,000 years. Right. And so th there's this spike. Right. There's this complete spike in, like, what we could imagine. Right. And, and all the, res you know, I mean, all the resistance to uh, innovation. Is, oh, that's not going to work. We've got to be careful. Right. And, and the resistance, uh, uh, they, 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 uh, the first presidential address was FDR uh, to open up the, the World's Fair in New York. And people were watching the TV. And, and the New York Times had said, uh, well, this new television thing isn't going to work because uh, it's going to take – it'll never be as successful as radio because you're going be to be asking people to give their visual focus to this thing. With radio, they can listen to the radio and then stay busy and do what they need to do. Really? Right, 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 right. New York Times. Right, you know? right. Of course. And now, and now it's like, I mean, I'm in a fight. You know, I record my stuff, but I'm in right now. I'm in this battle of I don't need to be watching all this. I need to be reading these books uh, because not because it's. A, what do you mean you record your stuff? Um, I record TV shows. Oh, I see. Uh -huh. I record TV shows. Uh huh. Uh huh. Um, and part of it, the funnest things to record are things that I want to introduce my wife to in terms of American. Oh culture. yeah, 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 yeah. I yeah. recorded um, old Andy Griffith episodes uh -huh. to share with my new son. And does. She does she? What does she think of Andy Griffin? Uh, she has not watched Andy Griffin. Uh huh. Uh, so I've got those teed up, but that's uh, that's coming. I'm uh -huh. gonna do like a like a like a, a six show Andy Griffith show uh -huh. done with my my son. Jim. So you've selected the Andy Griffith shows. Yes. Right. Yeah. Name one of them. Um, the Gomer goes to the army. Is oh, my right. Yeah. Right. right. Uh -huh. um, uh, the, um, uh, the the guy that's the robber that's loose in town, um, and uh, Andy sets up Barney to appear as if he's the one that catches the, the guy who's caught in the barn. <laughs> oh, right. um, and it's and I love Andy Griffith because he's he's this wholesome guy from North Carolina, and everything he does is fucking devious. Right. It's like right. He manipulates reality. 
in so many Andy Griffith shows. Uh-huh. It's like he's he's kind of like this wise old guy that's just going to make everybody kind of look. He's good. like passive aggressive. He really is. Yeah. I love his history, Andy Griffith's history. His history's great. Oxford, right? No, I, no, I think he, I don't know that he was. I, he was he, North, North, Carolina, uh, North Carolina, he was a Rhodes Scholar. He's a Rhodes Scholar. He's a Rhodes Scholar. And a stand-up. And a stand-up. But he, he was an English major in Oxford. Ooh, I didn't know that. Yes. And, and, <gasps> I was and, thinking about other things, but yeah. Well, and, and he, but that's when he came up with, that's when he came up with um, Bumpkin Tells You the Story of Romeo right, and Juliet. Right, right. And football. And football. Right. Um, or, and all, but all the classics. Right. There's like four different operas he talks about. He talks about four different Shakespeare plays. And so, and he, that's when he started it. Right. And he's like, uh, uh, and it's like, uh. And, you know, old Romeo walks in, he sees Juliet lying down there, and, oh, he was just stricken with grief, and he kisses her, and I mean right on the mouth. <laughs> just little lines like that. They're just, they're like delicious, they're like, they're like delicious pieces of barbecue you can only get from the Andy Griffith I think table. that if you watch Space in the Crowd, oh. you could tell that deviousness because face in the crowd yeah. is what is it i just watched it last year and it blew me the fuck away it's where great. if you're it is so great yeah and it, uh um the, when, when, when the uh the, his, the, the, the mania the maniacal the, yeah the when, ego, egomania egomania when he switches yep it's so profound oh my god it's so is that patricia o'neill Who's in that movie? Is that the woman? Uh, I don't know. It sounds right. But yeah, I don't know. yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of people are going, no, it's Marion Rizal. Yeah, I know. Right, it's uh, right. right. It's Ryan O'Neill. Facebook us. Um, it's Ryan O'Neill. Shaquille O'Neill. Yeah. Um, but but going back to just that idea of saying this guy, uh, road scholar, stand-up comedian, became the star of uh, Matlock. <laughs> and then that happened. And then that happened. <laughs> we all need a, we all need a boat to sit in with a fish and hold right, exactly. Oh my God! Um, uh, and it makes me think about uh, who is in my three sons. Uh, oh, Fred McMurray. Fred McMurray. Yeah. Now, Fred McMurray, my understanding mm-hmm. was, took my three sons because he always played an asshole in movies, and he said, "I need to turn my life around." Because he was in, he was, was in Flubber. He was in, but, well, he did those kind of movies <laughs> uh-huh. too. But he also did, he did Double Indemnity. He did The Apartment. Oh. He was a jerk, yeah. I think, in both those. Yeah, I don't remember Double Indemnity. Oh, my God. Bar- Barbara Stanwyck. It's, uh. it's the greatest, it's, well, the great film noir sure. movie. It's yeah, an yeah. absolute film noir. It's a beautiful film noir oh, film. Oh, God. Just gorgeous. Barbara Stanwyck's in that movie. Cool. Um, uh, uh, I was just talking to Austin. Was it, I was talking to Austin? Where we were talking about... Um, when somebody hasn't seen a movie and you go, oh, you haven't seen that? You are so lucky. Mm-hmm. That's why I feel right now about you and Double Indemnity, uh, if you haven't seen it. Yeah, and I don't know that I... Here's the other, here's the other thing. I don't remember de- like details. Like When I walk out of a movie, it's like I have... I walk out with the emotional progression of the movie in me. Right. And and it's, in a way, one of the reasons Bass Prop works is because Mark Sutton remembers every fucking thing he sees. It's so interesting that you say that because I've used I use Mark's line about... The bike. Exposition and the bike. Yeah. And it's so funny because really you're, what you're saying, uh, it, the, the line is, what's the line? Uh, 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 no, nobody sits in an improv show going, boy, I sure hope they fix that bike. <laughs> right, yeah. right, right. I say it a different way, but it's essentially it's the same a, thing. It's essentially it's the same, same thing. thing. But I always give him credit, always give him credit. Yep, always, sure. Great line. Me too. So 
we remember the viscera, we mm. don't remember what you call the muscle, right? We remember that there's this, this made me feel this losingness, yeah. but it's not like, what made that happen? Who the fuck cares? Or like, I'll remember, I'll remember in my distorted way, the what's a highlight something sticks out uh -huh. so uh, like one of like one of the games we might find ourselves playing in bass prob is me misremembering something uh -huh. and, and trying to venture that i know it's what it's about right there's a famous story we did that was about uh a famous story that you did there was a, there was one of our one of our shows of renowned uh -huh. was in the south it was about to kill a mockingbird uh -huh. and marcus always had an issue with me because i'd never seen the movie uh -huh. and then once he took issue with me then i i'm just i'm not gonna see the never movie, seen the movie. Right. um and so so i subsequently saw the movie without telling him and i said oh to kill a mockingbird yeah that's about boo radley right it's like you dumbass it's not about boo radley and then mark we're in orlando and then mark does this you know pissed off how can you be so fucking stupid and not know the best movie ever made uh -huh. and he does this beautiful Frickin' monologue, I swear, David, it went on seven fucking minutes, and we're in Orlando at Sack Theater, and there's not a sound, and I just fished and let him tell it, and it was, I was sitting next to great and in great theater, and it just, uh, and then I, I punch it, I'm like, the, the Boo Radley comes in at the end, right? Well, yeah, he does whatever that, see? Boo Radley, boom! <laughs> I'm still a dumbass, he's still right, chose still works. We'll see you tomorrow. I love, um, he and I did a show. <laughs> And it's one of these things, I might have even talked about it before. He and I did a show in Toronto, Vancouver, 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 um, at the Vancouver Inform Fest. And it was, the theme was, uh, the location rather was a chicken coop. <laughs> and the location was a chicken coop. And we did this, I don't know, 45 minute scene in a chicken coop, uh, or, but it was built around a chicken coop. And I look at that scene, and it's online, and I look at that scene, mm -hmm. The 45-minute scene, one act, whatever you want to call it. it. Sure. And I remember the set. I remember the car that was in front of the, mm -hmm. that, that we used. I remember the bales of hay. I remember the refrigerator. I remember the kitchen. Yeah. I remember what he was wearing. I remember us sitting on rocks, you know, on, on big boulders, yeah. you know, in front of the chicken coop. And none of that happened. It was all in my imagination when yeah. I look back on that scene. None of that happened. It was just he made that, we made that, but he made that. We supported that. Sure. The screen door that wasn't there. Sure. And you're, that, that the vivid detail would come to you visually, like you're wired right. visually. Yes. And, and it's, I mean, it's, it, I love playing with you because of, because of that. Mark's auditory. Like Mark can spin a yarn or whatever. Boy, dear, does he, um, can he? And it's and it's rich. Right. And, and it's uh, same thing. You know, we just sit in a boat and all of a sudden he's telling a story. And right. it's, it's almost like you can just turn off the lights and do a bat. Right. And, and he can just paint a picture. Right. I mean, he just, it's, uh, you know. I, I feel so lucky that like you two are such old friends and I get to play with you. Yeah. Anytime I get to oh, play I with agree you. with all that. I agree, I agree with that too. And it goes back to all the people that we grew up with. Yeah. Oh, no, all the people that we came up the, with. With whom we came. <laughs> all the people with whom we came. Yeah. I think about that too. Yeah. Uh, everybody I think right now is going, I came with that person. I didn't come with that person. That person would never come. I was always alone. What are coming with that person? What just happened? I don't know. Another opportunity man. for regret if you want. I'm no, not going to do it. No, no shame, no regret. That happened. Right, that happened. <laughs> and I, another thing about, about these podcasts is they always find their own callbacks. Sure. You know, at the beginning I'm going, we did that and we're going to bring that back. Yeah. There's a guy, uh, Elvis Mitchell. Do you know he does a radio show in L.A.? No. Do you know Elvis Mitchell? 
show, and in the show, he always he'll he'll have to throw he'll 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 we're going to take a break, and then we come back, and he'll come back, and if it's um, if he's talking to um, if he's talking to uh, uh, Steven Spielberg. It's uh, we're back with Steven Spielberg. Who and if, if you're really enjoying the uh, the podcast, please tell everybody to phone home because we're really having a great time. <laughs> and it's like uh, I, it's it's I, I want to go everything about your show. I like except that knocking the fuck off and the and the guests laugh uncomfortably. Like <laughs> sure, <laughs> yeah. it's not okay. No, because it's how many how many times has he heard that? It's that, and it's also how many times have I heard Elvis Mitchell? And he, what he must do, do is like, thing. I'm gonna have Steven Spielberg on, and I can do an ET reference, I can do sure. uh, a Lincoln reference, and you know, I can do all those things. Yeah. And that's what he's thinking about. I'm going, dude. Someone once told you, Elvis, you're really smart. You need to be funnier. Sure. And that, isn't it funny that you? I mean, it's it's an invention that you decide you can use, and and it's a consequence also of short form. You know, find what works. How many times have you seen the here's your stool sample? Right. Oh, fuck. You know, and and why would why it, would somebody name somebody sample? <laughs> <laughs> With ah. a stool. Here's your stool sample. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, great. Yeah. Good. Nice. Now, I can my, now I can do my stand-up. I, it's never, yeah. Hi, my name is Sample. It's like, here's your stool sample. <laughs> great, great. <laughs> and, and here's your mic sample. Here's your mic sample. I love it. Or, and, or somebody, he's also a doctor, uh, and his first name is Mike. So here's your sample, Mike. Um, anyway, so go ahead. And so, and, 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 and so why would... Of course, when you're speaking to improvisers of our years, or like that half generation under, like the ten years under us, uh, Telericos and Daskies and Kakowskis, who are all fucking brilliant. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. You know, there's uh, in listening to those, there's always those callbacks because that's our mode of communication. That's how we're used to playing. That. And we also respect that. We also re- everything that we're talking about. See, that's what I love about callbacks, and I love about the concept of inventory. You and I start. We the three of us start, or anybody's listening to this podcast. Yeah. We all start with nothing. Right. And then as we keep this podcast going, more things are added to our mind room. Yes. And then we're able to go, you know what? I don't need to bring anything into this that isn't already there. Right. Because in our mind room, yeah. there's plenty to play with. Yeah, that cheese dip was good. I want more of that. What's that? That, that cheese dip. It's a metaphor. There's like, <laughs> so, so what we've talked about, one of the things we've talked about before metaphorically was the cheese dip at this party we're having. Uh-huh. And so we might Got it. Right, 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 right. I, I thought you were giving an example of not, but you but, are in that. Am I? I think. I think I am. Now you are. Yes. Because we're accepting it and going, okay, now yeah. there's that misunderstanding that I have. We, That's part of our inventory. We, we got in a big, uh, we got in a big, uh, Beltsman Booker and I got in a big thing about the difference between a simile and a metaphor. Yeah. And we, and it was, and it, and it got all clusterfucky and Beltsman and Booker were kind of on that. And then I said, I only speak in hyperbole and neither one of them knew what hyperbole oh. was. And so I just kind of play a scene where I get, I get, I kept getting to call each of them the worst ex in the world. Right, and they're not getting and it. And it's that this like, and it's that thing where like they're completely, they, they have no idea, and the audience is just with me, and it's like, oh my god, when you get to find yourself in that space of play, right, right, oh. you're going, oh, and you're man. fucking with your buddies, right, and oh. they can't get in your way. And yeah. the best thing they can do is leave you alone. Absolutely, that's okay. it. Okay, let's stop there. That's it. Thank you for listening to ADD Comedy Podcast for Dave Rosowski. I'm Ian Foley. For more information on ADD Comedy, you can visit our website at www.theaddcomedytour.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at ADD Comedy Pod. If you're in the Los Angeles area and you're interested in taking a class with Dave, you can find that information at his website at www.davidrozowski.com. Sound services for the ADD Comedy Podcast was brought to you by Post Apocalyptic.